Sensorial with Eunice, a portal to Asian diaspora creativity and healing. I'm your host, Eunice KS, and welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much to those of you who are supporting the show through Patreon. Y'all are amazing. It's what fuels the show and helps me invest in resources and equipment to continue to create and share more episodes with you. In gratitude, I share with you exclusive bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, somatic healing, meditations, and more. So if you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting me and Sensorial by going to patreon.com slash sensorialwithunis. You can also find me on Instagram at unis.ks and sign up for my newsletter at uniskas.com and hit the reply button to directly connect with me. Okay, let's get to the episode. Enjoy the show. I am very, very excited to introduce you to our guests today. They are the chef and owners of Man Eating Plants, a plant-based Asian comfort food concept based in Los Angeles on a mission to pioneer a sustainable future through food. And personally, I'm just so impressed with Man Eating Plant and especially their garlic nudes and Sichuan wontons look so good. And I'm very excited to dive into the stories of the people behind it all. So grab your water, grab your journal. It's my pleasure to welcome Candace Sang and Philip Kwan. So Candace, Phil, how are you doing today? Doing well. Super honored to be here. Thank you for having us. So good to have you on. And Phil, I know we're just meeting now, but Candace, we met in 2006, right? It's been like... Mm-hmm. A long, long while. And for those wow. of you who don't know, um, we went to high school together and we went to boarding school. So we were roommates. So my introduction to Candace involved us microwaving like rice and seaweed <laughs> and watching TV together and things like that. But look at us now. <laughs> wow. How crazy. It's almost going to be 20 years. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> So right before this conversation, I pulled a card with both of you in my heart. And the card I pulled is soul family. And it shows two people whose hands and foreheads are together in mutual support, sort of in a dramatic way. And there's like dolphins and whales in the background. And the card says, call in your tribe. You don't have to do it alone. You're being called to tune into what kind of support you need now and let your team support you. And when they do, stop dimming your light and truly let yourself be seen. So given what's been going on in your lives lately, what's coming up for you? Maybe, Phil, you want to share what's coming up for you? Yeah, I mean, that resonates with us, with me specifically, because I'm going through probably the worst injury I've ever had in my life. I tore my Achilles from being part of the day-to-day of our business constantly there having a pulse on everything to practically not being there at all uh it's been a a challenge for me physically and mentally and our team has been stepping up and supporting us in multiple ways Uh, so that card you know candace and i talk about our tribe and the support and being seen like these are all things that we are experiencing in our reality today. And so when I read it, I was kind of, you know, it's always weird seeing it and being like, wow, it's not weird anymore. You know, it's just happened. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is, there's some guidance here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So definitely 
definitely working through it all and, and seeing that, you know, seeing the card today, it's, there's always a silver lining in all of this. And, you know, this injury has actually helped us grow even more. So you mentioned your try, you mentioned your team stepping up and it's been sort of your baby, right? Like both of you coming together to create this child, this man-eating plant. And it seems like now it's even like grown bigger than you two, like grown into like a new life and consciousness that you guys created. So tell me more about what it's been like to co-create and work so closely with each other as partners and to see it grow beyond you two. It's been quite a journey. Phil and I have been together for um, almost 10 years now. And Man-Eating Plant is almost four years now. So six years into our relationship, we embarked on a journey. I guess you would say we quit our jobs in LA to work in Alaska for the summer. That was kind of the snowball into how we started Man-Eating Plant. I mean, there's a lot of different parts of the journey, but through it all, super grateful that we have both been able to find our own deeper meaning of life, which is to be of service to humanity, to our world around us. Through it all, there obviously is a lot that we go through on our day-to-day, just being in a partnership for life and business and also having two puppies. (laughs) It's been, it's a difficult road to navigate, but it's extremely fulfilling being able to share all these accomplishments and such a fulfilling and deep journey of service with my partner. I think without the tools that we have learned along the way, specifically, we went to a 10-day Vipassana retreat where we learned the Vipassana meditation technique. And that without those tools that we had learned the first year that we started Manning Plant, I don't know if we would be where we are today. You know, like every day there are so many new challenges. We face burnout so often and it's a lot. Stress is a lot. And also thinking about my family and how chronic stress is ingrained in their nature, knowing that that path is something that I could potentially walk down frightens me, but also is a beautiful challenge because I know that that's not the path I want to walk down, you know, and I know that that's not how I want to raise our children. So every day is a new day. And yeah, like I said, just super grateful to be alongside Phil through it all. Yeah, no, that that really resonates with me around like breaking the cycle of this suffering. I grew up seeing my parents basically with this mindset that, you know, you just got to work as much as you can to produce as much as we can to put food on the table. And there's no um, idea of self-care or there's no idea of, you know, like we have enough or we are enough and there's, you know, we don't have to work so hard. That is never the message that I grew up with. And I think regardless of how mentally we try to, you know, untangle from that, our body is just like hardwired to just keep going. And it's so cool that in your partnership, you're creating and birthing this like new generation of being of not only through man-eating plant, like of co-creating this new world of food that's plant-based and compassionate and also, you know, infused with your cultures, our cultures, 
but also just like the way you're creating it, the way you're building man-eating plants seems like super conscious and very intentional. And in some ways from the outside looking in, it feels like from my end, like it's been not like this race to get man-eating plant to be like the biggest, like vegan Asian food in the world, you know, like a rocket ship sort of mentality of like, let's just try to get this everywhere. It's felt like a very natural growth and evolution alongside your personal journey. And I noticed that during the pandemic, I mean, (laughs) we all had to adapt. And I'm curious to learn more about how it's been to kind of let your life or the world and the rhythms of what's going on in your personal life, like influence the growth of your business and vice versa? How has that business growth influenced your personal relationship and personal life? This brings me back to when we traveled, um, we backpacked through Southeast Asia and within that time span picked up a lot along our spiritual path. And one of that was to live a more conscious life and to make more conscious decisions. And I think from that, we take that on and also the slow living aspect while you're traveling. It's not about rushing to get to the next spot. So just tying that into man-eating plant. Thank you for all that acknowledgement because I mean, it feels really good to be seen. And I think that with man-eating plant, we've always wanted to be intentional. And that reminds me of, if we think about serveware, so COVID happened and everything was taken out. So we had to kind of reinvent our business to fit this new model of takeout. We weren't serving people directly anymore. So a lot of it's packaging and a lot of it is waste. And that is something that ties into our ethos of creating a sustainable and almost, if we can, lead to a regenerative future. So for us, we can choose the easy route, make more money, get there faster by doing it not the ethical or aligned way for us. So we could buy plastic, single-use plastic, plastic bags. That's totally an option. But we know in our hearts that's not living in alignment with our values. That's not how we want to see the future of food industry. That's not where we want to see it go. So we are spending almost double sometimes on products, but we are taking the time to find the right sources for compostable materials. And that's only one aspect of it, but that ties into how, yes, the world is changing and we can still fit the old paradigm of like being super wasteful, not conscious or friendly to the earth, or we can take the challenges and use that as a challenge to create this new paradigm of business, of restaurant, which is not going to be wasteful to the earth and also living in harmony with everyone around us, including the animals and it all ties into one another. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's so interesting that man-eating plant seems to be a manifestation of not only your desire, your commitment to co-creating a more regenerative future um, and a sustainable future, but also honoring your culture and honoring your yourselves and the generation that you're trying to uplift. And so, Phil, I'm really curious how your journey has been through food, like what got you into food and what got you into creating Asian food? I guess it started 
in my early 20s. I was kind of in a place of limbo, fresh out of not finishing college <laughs> and looking for a passion. At the time, I was watching cooking shows and just being really inspired by the creators making these things. And, you know, I said, hey, well, let me step into a kitchen. I grew up in a kitchen, actually. Let me start there. My grandmother came to America and she opened a restaurant on my mother's side. And on the other side of the coin, my father's side, his father, my grandfather, opened a restaurant as well. So it's kind of funny that I grew up as like kind of this restaurant rat, just hanging out in the booths, doing my homework in there, helping them with, you know, small tasks as a kid, whatever I could do and seeing that grind and the hard work that they put in just to make a couple hundred dollars a day, you know, just to get by. So there's always been a love for food, always eating kind of the best food. You know, my grandma's whipping up a storm in the kitchen. There's every dinner, there's five different plates and a big pot of rice. It's amazing. Like it's such a part of my, uh, my foundation and my core is just like community and family eating together. And so I said, Hey, I want to learn how to cook at the very least. You know, if this isn't something I like, I'll at least be able to cook for myself and my family. We have great cooks everywhere in our family. So it's inspiring to see that. And then wanting to push that envelope a little further, whether I'm doing that or not, didn't really matter, but I just wanted, I had an urge to do that. So I get into some kitchens around LA and um, after our travels, I come back and I don't want to cook meat anymore. So I'm thinking, let's figure out how to cook vegetables. You know, people cook vegetables and make it taste delicious. I need to learn this skill. So I get into a kitchen in LA that does strictly vegan food. And Candace and I are exploring this more and finding that nobody's cooking food with flavors that from our childhood in the vegan world, at least in our area. I'm sure there's people around all around the world doing it. But in our area, it's it was hard to access that. And there was kind of this hole that was missing. So we kind of made a plan and said, why don't we do it? You know, if no one's doing it, then why not it be us? Yeah, that's kind of the short story of it all. Yeah. I like the question and the reframe at the end of like, why not us? Because so many times we ask, I feel like we're conditioned to ask, like, why am I the person to do this? Or like, you know, doubting like our role in the creation process. And I'm now wondering like how your relationship with your Asian American identity has evolved over the years. And it almost seems like a full circle moment in embracing your identity to also birth something new. But maybe Candace, do you want to tell me a little bit more about like your Taiwanese American identity and Growing up, I know we went to high school together. I feel like we didn't really talk too much about our Asian American identity back then, but it's so integral to what you're doing now. Definitely. And I like how you said full circle because it definitely feels that way. Growing up, I think my family really wanted me to fit in and live the most American lifestyle and didn't want to put me in uncomfortable situations. So I remember I went to my first Taiwanese class and I hated it. So my mom was like, you don't need to go. 
And, you know, looking back, I wish I continued it, but it is what it is. I'm grateful for my parents for being so understanding at the time. And so I grew up very disconnected. I didn't speak Taiwanese. I didn't speak Mandarin. I guess the only way I stayed connected was through the food I was eating, but not really caring to learn, um, not caring to ask questions. And I think it wasn't until really when we started Manning Plant, when we started something and then we went to Phil's grandma for recipes, started going to his parents and my parents for stories about their food experiences was when we kind of started embracing our identity in a more proud fashion. And it feels really good. It feels good to realize that through us, the traditions and the culture can continue. And it's also kind of scary to realize that through us, it can also end. So it's a beautiful realization. And yeah, it starts with us now and taking action on how can we continue this? Because our culture is so alive and it's still breathing, you know? And yeah, it would be a shame to let it end. So to add to that, I wanted to say not only continuing the traditions, but kind of pushing them and evolving them to be something, I wouldn't say better, but just something that's more evolving it maybe a little bit to match the times that we're in. It's almost a necessity, right, to to think about the future now uh, because of everything that's happening. So, yeah. We're really proud to be able to carry that torch into the future. <laughs> How do your parents feel about all of this? My grandparents, they both came to America and did backbreaking work, opening a restaurant and trying to run that. And so for them to see that I wanted to go down this path, they didn't understand it. You know, why does Philip want to work in a restaurant? Why does he want to do this where if we came to America? So he could have something better. He could have a better future than what we had. So initially everybody was, it was questionable why I was doing this. And in time, everyone became very supportive. Everyone, you know, comes out all the time and gives us great business advice. So supportive and overwhelmingly supportive. So it's definitely changed. I think we had to prove to ourselves and a little bit to our family that, hey, we had a plan. (laughs) We're not just shooting in the dark here. But yeah, that was kind of my experience with my family. Candice, what about you? I think for me, for so much of my life, I never really received the validation from my, particularly my dad, that I was seeking or I just never felt enough. And when I transitioned from pre-med, which was his dream that I was living for a long time, when I transitioned from pre-med to photography to then be an entrepreneur, but also start a vegan business, which my dad also didn't understand, he was very, very skeptical. I think my conversations with him are always him just kind of, are you sure? Like, this is this what you want to do? Um, it's been like that for a while and I'm grateful to be able to have something somewhat tangible now for him to see. Cause I think that is what he needs, you know? So for him to see that and for me to see that he's proud of me after so many years of feeling like I didn't get that, 
I mean, that's like such a fulfilling feeling. Yeah. Just seeing my dad smile and coming to our pop-ups and eating our food and loving the food, that definitely fills my heart in a way that nothing else can. Yeah, it's almost like a new love language. I'm trying to think which one it is, but it's like just showing, not telling. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like words of affirmation, at least from my personal experience and my friend's experience, is that like that is not like a big part of a lot of Asian immigrant culture where it's like acts of service, like food or, you know, all this stuff. But like, and there's so many reasons why words of affirmations can be hard with like the language barrier and just the cultural nuances of maybe not like validating verbally all the time. But it's so cool to see you kind of turn it around and say like, let me show you what I'm talking about. And your dad showing up to the truck and be like, let me show you how much, you know, I see you and I appreciate you. And that really resonates with me because whenever I try to, so like my dad is an entrepreneur, he's been an entrepreneur all his life. And I've also starting in college, I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to work for someone for too long. Like I want to start my own thing. I thought he would be like, yes. His first reaction is like, why would you want to do that to yourself? It's so hard. I want like an easier life for you. And I took that with love, but then it's also like, why are you stopping me from pursuing my dream and also helping carry on the legacy? And so that was always such a conflict. And my reaction was like, let me just show you what I'm talking about. Instead of, I can't like explain what I mean, but let me just show you and then you'll understand. So I think that really resonates with a lot of people, what you were saying. Hey y'all, if you've been enjoying the show so far, make sure to check out exclusive bonus episodes like part two to my solo episode on why I quit my job to start Sensorial. Now live on patreon.com slash Sensorial with Eunice. I also share behind the scenes content, Sensorial playlists, and monthly intention setting ritual prompts for us to do together. So check it out. Okay, back to the show. So I want to talk a little bit about how this is all great. And like you had this business plan, like it's four years later, look where you're now. But I'm assuming, I'm sure that there have been like ups and downs with this journey. Because a lot of people, I feel like struggle with perfectionism around like creating your baby, right? Like something so important to you. You want it to be like exactly what you want it to be, like manifesting the exact vision to life. And I'm wondering if you ever went through any challenges of letting go perfectly translating the vision into real life and kind of letting it unfold. And if there's an example that comes to mind. It's more of a mental battle for me where my productivity is what I stem my like worth from. Like if I'm doing more for the business, then I'm doing it right. And that just leads for me to burn out. And I'm starting to learn that now is that I don't necessarily need to always be doing. When you're saying like perfectionism, I think that's also the mental struggle I have is I call it paralysis by analysis. I overthink things to a point where I just come to a standstill. And what that creates with me is guilt and shame that like I'm not progressing as fast as I should be progressing, which ties into kind of the productivity side of things if you know i'm not producing whether that's products or new dishes or we're not 
moving along as fast as my mind thinks it should, that just gets into a very dark negative thought patterns and cycles that, you know, I still have to check myself daily, weekly, monthly. I have to check in and say, you know, things will work out and just trust the process. And that's been good to me so far. I mean, things have been really working out for us and we really do feel that there's some support and guidance outside of what is tangible for us because there's so many situations where we worry and we and we stress and for what you know it's so little and at the end of the day it's like hey it all worked out <laughs> like everything's good none of that stuff even matters at the end of the day Paralysis by analysis. I'm going to maybe adopt that too. I I think that reflects basically our obsession as a society with our mind. I mean, we grew up kind of being told that like logical processes or our mind knows best. You know, we like glorify our brain in that way. And yet we all know that our body also is so wise. Our heart, our intuition, our gut, there's a lot of different parts of wisdom that we can pull from. And when we fixate on just the busyness of the mind, like it can really kind of derail us from why we are even doing what we're doing. Right. And it's so cool to see that in so many different aspects of business and life, you both are rewriting some narratives that have been passed down around productivity and worth around perfectionism, around what is the right career or what is the right thing to do. And I don't know, I'm just curious then like how it's been as a couple or like, how did you guys know that you guys wanted to be together? Because I feel like that is then actually the true story behind Man-Eating Plant. Yeah, it's a, a journey for sure. We met through mutual friends and We actually started as friends prior to dating, which when we talk about it, we always say that that was kind of how we laid our foundation was being friends before being romantic with each other. And reflecting on who we were back then to who we are now, completely different people. I always wonder, like, we must have obviously been meant for each other because I don't see how Candace back then could see Phil now, you know, it's it's so interesting and beautiful to be able to be in this relationship with him. But I think that there were definitely experiences, key experiences along our path that really allowed us to strengthen our bond. Like while breaking our bond, we were able to strengthen it because while we go through these certain situations together, we've been able to talk through it all feel into the emotion of it, but also be around different guidance. So specifically when we traveled to Southeast Asia, we spent 15 days at this place called the Mindfulness Project in Thailand. It was a self-sustainable farm where we also practiced meditation and yoga every day. And we also stayed frequent nights at the monastery where we also studied meditation. So there we were kind of I would say in this safe container around people that were completely connected with their truest nature, which is unconditional love. Like we have never been around such loving people at that time. I have never been around such loving, 
open people. And through that experience, it was many days of just questions. Like we were being asked questions. What do you love about yourself? You know, and that was like one of the hardest questions we could answer. What was your worst breakup like? We were always having these discussions, these talking circles, we'd call it, where we were just diving deep so quick. So within a span of 15 days, we were so close to these strangers in comparison to friends that we knew for 20 years and we were just still at the surface. So the experience there really shaped how we view our lives now. And I still remember a very integral conversation at the Mindfulness Project that Phil and I had that was kind of like, is this relationship serving us? You know, are we going to be able to grow and evolve from this stage that we're in now? And if not, is this something we still should be holding on to? And I think what the conclusion of that conversation was, was yes, we are committed, but in that commitment, we realized we have to be committed to ourselves on a greater level than we are committed to this relationship. And I had realized for so long, I had been operating from a codependent narrative, realizing that I was stemming my value, my worth off of how much I can do for him and how much I can love him without realizing I was pouring from an empty cup. So I think that experience in Thailand was very shape-shifting for where we are now, along with many other experiences. But yeah, definitely we have been through a lot of different chapters, I would say, and still going through them. Learning and growing every day, I think that just never ends. It's like you guys both evolved together throughout the span of your relationship. And what really, what I feel when I witness you two with Man-Eating Plant is that it's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of unconditional love. And I think we can all feel that when someone creates from that place, the recipient can really feel the love that's infused in every dish, every design, every photo, like whatever it is, because I think that's what's so needed in this world. And so if we can infuse love into just that one thing that we create, then the ripple effect of that love is so monumental. So yeah, I just want to celebrate you both for all that you've done so far. But I want to get to our signature sensorial questions. So Phil, what is your wildest dream beyond any limitations, any barriers? Man, that's a that's a deep question. I think going back to the seed of where this all stems from, which is love, and experiencing that love at the mindfulness project, being one of those experiences, and and really seeing people's true nature when they are aligned and and centered and just love, you know, seeing how there can be a space that facilitates that energy so naturally. And so it feels so normal and right. And it it feels like we've been operating in this, in this false reality for so long that I think one of my biggest dreams is to create a version from our experiences of something similar for children, you know, I think growing up as kids it was very difficult, you know, without the right message and messages and guidance. If someone told me as a kid, 
you can just be yourself always and that's enough and just receiving unconditional love and and all these things so i guess that would be my biggest wildest dream is to to host this space where we can give this feeling to and start young start the new generation off right with these kind of tools and a strong foundation of what has helped me grow from my young adulthood into now adulthood. It's really helped me. And had I known all these things at a younger age, you know, I think it'd been very helpful. So Candace and I have a plan to have land and create a summer camp. We'll have a summer camp, a mindfulness summer camp where we're teaching permaculture and compassionate cooking and eating along with all the other great summer camp things where kids are getting, can disconnect from that, from your phones and, and your mm-hmm. devices and get back to playing and laughing and moving. Um, and just incorporating all these these pillars in our life that we know bring so much value to us. And I think that just will reinforce in our lives like the importance of these things. Cause you know, we struggle with these things as well every day, social media and just being what we know our highest selves can be. Mm-hmm. And I think getting there, that that's part of the journey, but reinforcing it through this practice or this creation and the next evolution of man-eating plant it doesn't have to be man-eating plant but just the next evolution of our the next project will be this this thing and man-eating plant is kind of helping us get to that next step yeah what a great wild dream slash future reality to have incubating because i think it's so true it's it's almost like our generation is sort of that bridge. It always feels like a bridge generation where it's like we, you know, grew up some type of way. And then like in our young adulthood or adulthood, we get the guidance or the resources that hopefully we need to reach a more like higher self version of ourselves. But then it's like, uh, how do we pay it forward to the future generations? Like, what if we shared that with our future generation a little bit earlier? I feel for my parents in the sense that I feel like that's what they were doing too. Like every generation, right? It's like, how can I make it a little bit easier? Or how can I make their lives a little bit better than than our lives? And I feel like that's just what we're doing, like carrying the torch, continuing our parents' work, but in a very different way. And the word generational just keeps coming to mind from our conversation. There's something generational about what you're doing. Candice, what is your wildest dream? It definitely goes in line with the summer camp because having that and being able to instill these values into future generations really feels right for me inside in my heart. But also as well, having an animal sanctuary has always been a dream of mine. Mm. So I would love to rescue animals. And something I've actually understood and keep understanding, which goes in line with your past questions, is that we can't do it alone. And that's something that we continuously are learning. I think Phil's recent injury, it was kind of a big slap in the face, like, look, you cannot do this alone. You physically can't do it. So just let go. Trust that you have the people around you 
this also goes in line with the card pool that you had, mm-hmm. trusting that we have the support. So I do have a dream of an animal sanctuary. I've always wondered, like, how am I going to do that? But understanding that I don't have to do it. You know, there's someone out there that I can just like have and we can do it together or, you know, bring someone on and understanding that there are people out there passionate about all these different things. And you don't have to worry about that. Just worry about what I'm passionate about and understanding that we can all rise together as a collaborative team, as a community. I think that's been a big and continues to be a big learning lesson. Yeah. And I don't know if this is also a narrative that you grew up with, but for me, certainly there's like always like giving, 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 giving is good. Like, you know, you talk about giving from an empty cup, but it's like, I feel like so many of us are not conditioned or we didn't learn how to receive. And the thing is like to give is to receive, is to flow. There's That's the cycle. That's how the world works. And if we don't receive and let in and accept the help, the support, the love, how are we supposed to give, give that, you know? And so I think that's, that's so beautiful with the animal sanctuary and the summer camp. I'm so excited for this future. Um, So my closing question to both of you is what message do you think your younger self needed to hear? And what message would you like to share with them? And so Phil, what message do you have to share with your younger self? When I think about my younger self, there's a kind of a insecurity in that young boy that doesn't really understand it, doesn't know why, where it stems from. And I think the message I would give to him is to just not need to know why and just to trust that things will be okay as long as you're doing right. Like if you're doing things that stem from love, if if like those actions and their true intentions are right, you'll be okay. And that you don't need to worry about everything else. That's what I would say. Candice, what about you? Mm. For my inner child, she feels very unseen and unheard. I'm already getting like emotional too. Just thinking about my inner child and feeling the lack of love that she received. (laughs) So I think what I would say to her and what I need to say to myself, because she is inside of me, is that you are worthy of being seen and heard and you're worthy of expressing and exploring your authenticity. I want to add to that because I feel that it's not necessarily and not to take from your experience but it's maybe our parents didn't know our love language and they showed us love but in ways that we didn't necessarily weren't capable of receiving as love when we just needed that words of affirmation or a pat on the back or whatever it was right so just to know that you are, you were loved, you were loved, but yeah, I think that would be a good message, but not to take away from your experience. Thank you. No, it's a co-created message back to (laughs) both of your younger selves. No, I feel that. No, there was, there was a time in my life where, yeah, like I didn't hear, I love you growing up for a certain period of time. And I was like, (laughs) it's like, well, 
Like, were they trying to show that to you in different ways? Like, what are the different languages that they transmitted that? And I, when I think about language barriers, I think about like Korean or Mandarin or whatever, but it's also love languages, right? There's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mismatch, like messages, frequencies not hitting. And I, I think it's so beautiful that we can just, whenever we want, whenever we need, we can actually speak to our younger self. And Candice, your point around your desire to feel seen and heard and in an authentic way, like, wow, like man-eating plant is that though? Like, like I feel the authenticity infused in everything that you create. (laughs) And I hope you remember you are being seen. Like I see you, I hear you. And this whole episode honestly has been about love and about how we can really share that with ourselves and also our younger selves, but with the future generations and how do we do that through creations. Thank you so much to both of you for being on Sensorial. Where can we find you and support you? So you can find us on Instagram at, at maneatingplantla. And for our events, you can find that on our website, www.maneatingplantla.com. And there you can find our schedule for where our food trucks will be weekly. Yay, everyone support Candace and Phil and Man Eating Plants. And thank you both for coming on Sensorial and sharing your story and heart with us. Thank you so much, Eunice. It was really a joy to talk to you. Thank you for having us. Hope you enjoyed the show. I would love to hear what resonated with you. And the best way to connect is by joining the Sensorial community on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash sensorial with Eunice to check out all the exciting offerings, including bonus content, behind the scenes stories, and somatic healing with the community. Be part of the founding member circle today by going to patreon.com slash sensorial with Eunice. Your support means the world to me and it helps fuel the future of the show. You can also find me on Instagram at Eunice.ks and go to my website, EuniceKS.com to sign up for my newsletter and hit the reply button to directly connect with me. Have a beautiful rest of your day and connect soon. Bye.